I thought we got beat up front. I, I was disappointed how we played up front, I'll be honest with you. And, and um, I expected us to be able to run the ball better. And uh, and certainly, you know, we, we did a lot to nudge and bump and, you know, help, help ourselves in protection. And yet, um, obviously not enough. Hello and welcome to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, Broncos beat reporter at The Athletic. And this is the season finale edition. The 2023 season is in the books after the Broncos came to Las Vegas and lost to the Raiders 27 to 14. It ends Denver's season at eight and nine. Um, and we'll get into a couple of the implications that has in terms of schedule, in terms of draft, um, all those other kinds of things. But bottom line here from the Las Vegas desert is that it was a disappointing end for the Broncos who quite frankly, limped to the finish line in this season that had conjured up so much hope, right? The Broncos went one and five to start the year. Then they got, they won their six out of their next seven. After that, they were seven and six after being the chargers on December 10th, um, really had everything right in front of them. Um, but then from there, you know, only managed to win one more game uh, out of the four and fall to eight, and nine, third place in the AFC West. And I think, Matt, my overarching takeaway was that this game today, a game in which the Broncos were beat in just about every facet possible by the Raiders, um, again, in the grand scheme of things, you know, the, the outcome doesn't mean a lot. But I think what the game itself illustrated was just how much work is ahead of this Broncos team. Um, you know, this was a game they they really wanted to win. They they had nine and eight on the table. They had their first winning season in, in eight years on the, or seven years on the table. They had the chance to snap a eight, a seven game losing streak against the Raiders. That's now at eight. They had a chance to have a winning division road record, win in Las Vegas for the first time ever. All these sorts of things were on the table. And for a team trying to sort of cement its, its culture and, and sort of this every game, every yard, every moment matters. It was, it was kind of surprising just how short they fell and and some of the stuff that you saw are going to be, I, I think, major offseason questions about this team. And Matt, I don't know about you, but for me, like, obviously, quarterback is the number one thing that we're going to talk about this offseason. It's going to command a lot of attention and rightfully so, because right now, as it sits, the Broncos go into this offseason and we don't know who the quarterback will be next year. Um, we don't think it will be Russell Wilson, who. Um, took off his jersey in the locker room, unblemished after serving as the backup quarterback for maybe the last time here in Denver. Um, it, it seems pretty likely that the team is going to move on from Russell Wilson, absorb the the, the major financial penalty that comes with that um, because it, it simply did not work out between he and Sean Payton, and um, they're going to move on. And, and then that brings us to Jarrett Stidham, who did a couple nice things in these two starts, but certainly didn't do anything to point you point to himself and say, yeah, I'm the unquestioned starter of this football team. So that's going to be a massive, a massive storyline, a massive question throughout, but it's not going to be the only one. This is a team that did not rush the ball after going to six and five turned around the, the, the last third of the season or so and, and couldn't get that done. They, they failed to stop the run consistently. Um, their, their inability to, to withstand pressure another season of giving up more than 50 sacks this year. Um, you know, that they couldn't really apply a lot of pressure today when it mattered. Those are all things you look at and say, yeah, you could you could chalk this up to one game. But a lot of these things, Matt, were season long issues. Right. They, and 
it, none of it came as a surprise to anybody who's been watching this team for a while. The team pretty much played to the finale like they have for most of the year. I mean, they have up and downs, but if they're not winning the turnover battle and they're not getting big chunk plays, then they're just not really moving the ball or being effective. I mean, Jared Siddham tonight was the 12th quarterback to start a, a game for the Broncos since 2016. Like, that's that's a problem. And, I mean, you know that they're, we'll probably see number 13 next year. So, um, you know, that, that consistency at the quarterback position is definitely important. I do think that the interior offensive line is probably going to be one of those spots where you really look to improve the interior defensive line, potentially adding some pieces as well. Yeah, like you said, there's just there are, there's a lot of things that need to get better. The Broncos do secure the num- the twelfth pick overall in the in the draft with the loss today, um, which I mean, there's going to be a lot of there, this is a draft that seems to have a, a several quarterbacks that are kind of in that mid to late first round window that you could see. So taking a quarterback at number twelve is not off the table. There's also a lot of offensive tackles and edge rushers in there, all of which are positions in need for the Broncos. So what? as this uh, this season unfolds, what that first round pick looks like is definitely going to be a, an interesting talking point for the next few, next few months for sure. Well, yeah, particularly when you add into the fact that the Broncos haven't had one of those since 2021, a first round pick and it's in the top 15. Right. Um, that'll give us a lot of, a lot of opportunities to have various segments about the draft and, and what they do with that. It, it's a, it's a particularly consequential pick because the Broncos then won't pick again until the third round of the draft. Uh, as it currently stands now. So um, that is that is a big thing because they, they could have ha- had they won and some certain things gone that way. Um, they could have been picking as low as as 18th. And so now at 12, um, we'll see how the quarterback thing, you know, ultimately ends up. I think the only thing we can probably say with any real certainty is that, you know, Caleb Williams and Drake May will be somewhere in that top five range. I, I think that's pretty clear. Um, and, and from there, you know, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, uh, Michael Penix Jr., who will who will lead Washington into the national championship game Monday night against Michigan. Where will he factor in after just a phenomenal performance in the national semifinals? I know a lot of people in, in the Denver neck of the woods have been photoshopping the Penix jersey, uh, you know, Broncos jersey and, and posting that and, and trying that on for size. Um, so going to going to definitely watch that one tomorrow night with a lot of interest. Um, cause you're right. That that's, that's going to be, if the Broncos are going to cut Russell Wilson, if they're going to eat that dead money then they're going to search for another answer, as, as we've talked about, as I, I've written extensively over the athletic, um, they're going to have to have cheap options and there, there's no, no better cheap option that comes with a potentially really high ceiling than a quarterback, a first round quarterback on his rookie deal. Um, especially if he makes an impact for you early on in his career. So it's going to all be, all be really fascinating, but yeah, you mentioned tackles that there, there's a lot to be, a lot to be worked out with, um, you know, contracts with free agency when it comes to this offensive line, you know, they, they, they obviously have Garrett Bowles who, who's still under contract, but has no more guaranteed money left. If they were to draft an offensive tackle in the first round, um, again, something they have not drafted a tackle at all since they drafted Bowles back in 2017. So it'd be somewhat ironic that that, that might be the path that they would take, um, and would certainly, if you draft a first round tackle, you're almost certainly then moving on from Bowles, whether it be in a trade or, or cutting him or, or, or something of that nature. Um, that would sort of maybe I don't I don't know necessarily because I I don't necessarily know if I agree with that because there's a lot of times where you might draft a tackle to ultimately play on that left side, 
But if you have a guy like Bowles anchoring that left side, I could see bringing in a tackle who maybe is your long-term answer at left tackle, but then ha- play him a season at right tackle. Like I, that kind of thing happens a decent amount. I don't necessarily think that they drafting a tackle is on the way dollars. They're not, they're <sighs> yeah, not moving on from one. They just signed yeah. him to five-year contracts. He's their right tackle. So, and yeah, I think if, right. if you, yeah. I guess you guard, you could shift him to guard maybe, you know, tackle, uh, ultimate tackle to guard, but. They have a Pro Bowl guard on the right side, and they just paid the left guard a bunch of money. Like, unless unless you have a, a future left tackle who's playing center, then it's probably not going to be. All the right, case. all I mean, right, all right, all right. I, I just, I just a little half baked tonight, I guess, Nick. You're going to end up drafting a guy that high, um, you know, at at number twelve. Um, you're expecting him to start. You're expecting him to start for you. I think so. Anyway, we'll we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, but but again, yeah, they they need a t- they need another playmaker. Um, they, they, there's there's they, they need an edge rusher. Um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to a guy like Jonathan Cooper, who was drafted in the seventh round, um, has turned himself into a, a real solid NFL player. He had eight and a half sacks this year. Nick Benito um, had had a really nice second season um, with, with eight sacks. picked uh, picked up, I believe, Denver's lone sack today, um, and so. You know, you, you did okay. So they ended up with two. So they have they have a couple of nice pieces, um, but they certainly needs like a you know kind of a game changing type player. But of course, you can't just you can't go get all these things in in one off season. So Matt, the way that I look at it, are, are well, I'm curious to hear you. What what's what's sort of for you like your your major takeaway now because th- this season is over. What's the first thing that you kind of look toward as far as next season, like the off season and how they build toward it? Yeah. I mean, the, the question you have to answer the question at quarterback because Sean Payton was talking about it after the game today where yes, everyone, you know, he has his offense that he wants to run and, you know, has ideas of how he wants to run, but it's also that you have to build around the ingredients that you have in the, in the room is how he kind of put it. So figuring yeah. out what the offense looked like kind of has to start with figuring out who your quarterback's going to be and what kind of play style they have. Cause you know, there's some of the, you know, you have some very diverse play play styles among some of these quarterbacks that could be first round picks. Um, whether, you know, you have more guys who are a lot, a little bit faster, like Shader Sanders, or you have some of these other guys that are more pot, your tip prototypical pocket passers. Like you, what that offense ends up looking like could be very different depending on who that quarterback is. And with the Broncos sitting at 12, the interesting thing is that like there will probably be quarterbacks available there, but they don't necessarily have a lot of draft potential to go get the guy they want. If there's a quarterback sitting at number 11 and somebody really likes them, then you can be sure that Minnesota is going to be willing to trade down to give up, you know, to let someone come up and take that quarterback from Denver. And with Denver not having a second round pick, they're kind of going to just have to sit sit tight and see what happens. So what ends up happening at the quarterback position, be that a draft pick, be that a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, is probably going to get, end up getting released. I think figuring out what that position looks like then kind of informs what the rest of your team has to look like. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's the, that's the number one puzzle piece is, is the quarterback thing. And then, but what you hope to do around that, I mentioned the offensive line a little bit Um, you know, that that's one interesting area for me because you know, this was a group and this was sort of, I I think disappointing today, Sean Payton wasn't, did not hide the fact that he was really frustrated by the lack of protection. Um, And, you know, 
I, I, there might be some who say that, you know, that this is, this has sort of been a, a recurring theme and, and maybe how come, you know, Russell Wilson didn't get that, that same sort of benefit of the doubt in terms of the, the protection, because, you know, this is a unit that gave up five sacks today and really, um, you know, they, they had this, this chipping plan for Max Crosby and all this kind of stuff, but just, he was, he wreaked havoc throughout the entire game from the very start. And um, they, they just didn't really seem to be able to answer that bell. And, and I think the disappointing part was this was a group, obviously Mike McGlinchey did not play today. This was the first time all year that they didn't have that same starting five on the offensive line. So you would have thought by here you are week 18, this group that's largely been healthy. I'm sure a lot of these guys are banged up pretty good. But but it's a group that, that's played together, that's had that continuity, and yet there seemed to be times where they were confused about who they were blocking and, and, and what they were doing. Um, so, again, that, that's going to be a, a really big question for me is what does the continuity look like um, you know, with that offensive line and, and then even beyond that on, on the offensive side of the football? Like who's, who's coming back? Um, you know, what are they going to go out and add? Because one of the things that you, you heard a lot in this locker room, um, and Quinn Miners, you know, I, I asked him about this and, and he was just talking about how he was very excited about the idea that, that they were going to have, um, continuity that, that has been really elusive. I mean, Miners is a guy that was drafted in 2021 and has already played for four head coaches. If you include interim Jerry Rossberg from last year. Um, he's played for all these different schemes, you know, three different schemes. Finally, what he's going to be offered going into year two is, you know, if all things go according to how we think they will, the same coaching staff, the, the, the generally the same offensive scheme, at least the language of it and everything like that. Um, you know, I would think Zach Streif would be back as their offensive line coach. So I think that's if you're a Broncos fan and, and you, you're watching this year and you, and you understand that the quarterback situation is going to change, you understand that you're somewhat limited from a salary cap perspective and what you're going to be able to go out and spend on free agents. We talked about the somewhat limited draft capital, even though they do have that first round pick it's okay. Well, where is the path forward? The Broncos seem to be very hopeful and some of it's based on, on evidence of his past offenses that the continuity, the understanding of, of the foundation of what you're trying to do, you can come in in April and just sort of hit the ground running because that was a big thing, right? That this is not a team that looked prepared for the start of the season. That's what, part of the reason they went one in five. So that that is sort of what you're banking on. But again, that, that it doesn't lessen, you know, the work that they got to do to fix a lot of the things um, that, that they've that, you know, that they've got to fix. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, Nick, what your thoughts are on the wide receiver room going into the the offseason. You know, Jerry Judy's entering the last season of his contract. Corlin's, he he certainly underperformed statistically this year. Uh, Corley, Corlin Sutton found the end zone a lot, but he, he's come up. He's, I think he has two years left on his deal. Um, you know, yeah, and it, it's, one that's going to be another room where we could see some where we could see some movement for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be there's definitely going to be some things done there, whether it's, you know, whether it's trade, whether it is restructuring of certain deals like, you know, Tim Patrick has this last year on his deal left, but has no guaranteed money. Look, he, he's not going to make the number that's on his contract for year three. He hasn't played at all the last two years. So if he's back, it's going to be on something of a restructure where they add a year um, to his contract and, and give him a little bit, a little bit of guaranteed money up front. Um, that's what that would look like a really incentive based contract. They, they definitely could use him. He's a solid veteran wide receiver. Um, but now has suffered back to back major injuries in the off season. So we'll kind of have to see there. Jerry Judy is an interesting one. You, you mentioned it had, um, had a really, I think disappointing season. I think we can call that what it is year four for him after the finish that he had to 2022, 
where over the final six games of that season, you know, he, he was right up there in, in, in terms of top 10 wide receivers in a, in a number of different categories. And, um, you know, ultimately just did not match that this year. Just, just really lacked consistency, dealt a little bit with, with injury, but just never really was on the same page with Russell Wilson. Um, there, there were just, I, th I think a lot of disappointments to his, to his season that wasn't all on him. They, they, they certainly weren't consistent offensively and definitely not in the passing game. Um, but, but that's an interesting one because they picked up that fifth year option on his rookie deal for about $13 million. It's fully guaranteed for this upcoming season in 2024. And he would then become an unrestricted free agent after that. If you didn't sign him to a long-term deal, I definitely don't see them. I don't see them doing a long-term deal with, with Jerry Judy, um, it's possible that they just, you know, they bring him back. He plays on the fifth year and, and then you go from there. But given what Denver's sort of cap constraints are and, and sort of their limited, you know, limited number of draft picks, um, it won't surprise me at all if they test the market for him this offseason heading into the draft. We know that they got calls on him last offseason. We know they got calls on him heading into the trade deadline. So I would imagine that they could restart some of those conversations again. The question now, though, is the you know is the return kind of the same that it would have been maybe at the at the deadline? If they, if they do a deal, you would think they want to get it done um, before the draft. Um, but that but that's an interesting one. So th those are your three main guys, right? Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy. Um, you know, I, I think are all up in the air. I I, I think Cortland Sutton will be back. Um, you know, he again just solid veteran wide receiver. You know what you're going to get. Um, you know, whether they try to do something with his contract, bring his number down a little bit for next year with maybe a slight extension, um, something like that I could see as possible, but, but that's where I, that's where I see it with the, uh, with the wide receivers. It's, it's a group that's going to have some change. Um, you know, that, another, another thing for this offense, man, is they, they've got to figure out how to make Marvin Mims a more, a, a more, um, consistent piece of what they're doing. Had just one target today, um, caught a pass over the middle that he turned into a first down. Um, you know, a lot of it's on him. He's got to expand his, his route tree. There was a play today where he was kind of rub, running like a, a double hitch stop and go. And, and he really didn't, didn't fool the corner at all. Who was just kind of sitting, you know, sitting on that route. Um, he, he's got to expand as, as a, as a receiver, expand his role in the offense. Um, but, but again, he's a guy, when you're talking about, you need team speed, you need all those sorts of things. He's got to become a more, um, a more integral part of what they're trying to do. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting watching a guy like Judy, because like you still sometimes see Judy flash, you know, like Matt Millen, the the color commentator today, you know, called his the footwork on his touchdowns like stupid good. <laughs> like, you know, like just the way that he, you know, the way that he moved on that play, like, you know, you see the, the flashes of him being elusive with the ball and making plays after the catch. Like that's what this team really seem to be lacking in the in the past game the season is like getting your receivers the balls in space and the ability to make a play like that just never you didn't see that you didn't see the little like five yard outs where a receiver breaks a tackle and takes it for 30 yards like you either got the wide receiver screen or the big shots and that was it and you got to figure out and hopefully you know we've talked a lot coming into the season about how complex sean payton's offense is I really need to see better production out of these wide receivers from and that wide receiver quarterback connection in season two of Sean Payton. If we're going to see an offensive resurgence. Yeah. And, but you can expand that to essentially every offensive position group too. I mean, you know, Javante Williams, I, I think to me, the statistics would tell you that he, that he hit a wall in his first season back from that major 
injury. Um, you know, over the last four games of the year, never had a, a game of more than more than 45 yards rushing. Um, really kind of had a hard time, I, I think, finding creases that, you know, that ability to just knock down multiple defenders on his way, um, you know, through the line. We didn't we didn't see that as much. I, I would imagine that he, um, you know, with, with an offseason that can be spent just sort of getting stronger, working on his athleticism and not having to rehab. Um, you know, I, I think there's still some hope that he can kind of get back to that player that he was, um, you know, as, as a rookie when next year rolls around. But but I think that's another position where they've they've really got to kind of potentially look for, you know, a, another another answer. I mean, that's just sort of the way that it goes at, at running back. Javante Williams uh, already is going to be entering his fourth year. He's, he's going to be in the last year of his deal. Um, and, and certainly. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing that tells you, um, particularly in this market where running backs don't get, you know, a lot of big second contracts that he would be in line for, for something like that. So, you know, he'll, I think he'll be back. He's, he's under contract for next season. Um, but, but again, that, that's one where you could be already looking to get a little bit younger, looking for somebody in the draft that can come in and, and be, be, you know, a little bit more dynamic runner. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin will, will figure into that role as well he he he, um he started to put together some some nice you know some nice playing time during the end of the season um but again that they are they're going to look there uh and then tight end that's another big question is greg dulcich can he get back to to any kind of consistent health to stay on the field um you know they they certainly would have benefited from the kind of thing that he can provide as, as a mismatch type tight end um you know you're just looking here now at the at the bills who are um, you know, on the verge of upsetting Miami and winning the AFC East because uh, in large part because Dalton Kincaid, the rookie tight end, is just is gashing Miami's defense like it, it's a big it's a big tool to have. They're hard to find. Um, but but that's that's another thing that you could look at and say, hey, it would make sense for Denver to go out and get something like that. And we mentioned defensively, you know, the questions are, um, you know, some of the contract stuff. Josie Jewell at middle linebacker is 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 an unrestricted free agent, um, you know, you, you give Justin Simmons an, an extension. Um, you know, th- those are some things that you can kind of look at and say that those are going to be question marks. Um, you know, they need to continue to add to the defensive line. They need a, They need another. They need another good corner. Um, that, that, that's sort of been opposite. Pat Sertan has been kind of a patchwork deal. Fabian Moreau had his had his moments this season. I think of the interception that he had against Buffalo to help to help swing that game. Um, you know, when, during that five game winning streak, I thought was playing pretty well. But toward the back end of the season. Um, you know, started to see teams exploit him. And that no, that, that was nowhere was that more true than today. Um, really got picked on a lot in this game. So, you know, again, that, that's another another one that you look at um, and, and say they could they could definitely use uh, use an upgrade over there. So no shortage of of, um, you know, personnel decisions to be made. Uh, there's just it's just going to be it's it's impossible now to sit here and like break it all down. We want, don't need to try to do that in the aftermath of this. But just kind of setting the table for for what for what's going to come. The last thing the last thing that I want to hit on Matt real quick is is what we get now with the Broncos. We'll we'll have exit interviews with players tomorrow where they kind of just you know sort of talk about you know the offseason to come, their focuses, some reflection on the season, um, and then sometime this week we should be hearing from Broncos Broncos leadership, whether that's some combination of uh, of Sean Payton or or General Manager George Payton. Uh, and potentially even CEO and owner Greg Penner, we'll see. Don't know exactly how that's going to play out at this point. Um, but, you know, some answers could be in store for, 
you know, the, the whole Russell Wilson situation that became a, a very national story over the last couple of weeks, how that was handled, how it's going to be handled going forward. Um, what, what are you most interested to hear, Matt, if, if, if we, uh, if they get on the mic this week? You know, I mean, I don't think that we're going to get a satisfying answer ever about the Russell Wilson contract situation as far as whether he was what degree of threatening him with benching was happening. Um, I, I, you'll have to forgive me if I'm not going to completely take Sean Payton on his word that he, he knew nothing about any kind of contract negotiations that were going on. Uh, that seems just a, a hair outlandish to me. Um, but you know, I feel like we haven't gotten enough of it. We don't really yet have that full picture of exactly went down and just how burnt these bridges are, because it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Broncos refuse to cut Russell Wilson. And they're like, they're on the hook for a lot of the money anyway. You know, they keep him around as a backup or, you know, to compete with whoever they bring in. So how, how soiled is that relationship now? How bad were the under, currents that were you know the two the sides that were button heads with that you know i'd love to get a little bit more in-depth discussion about what exactly transpired but i don't know that we'll ever get a a satisfactory answer to that yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it gets played right is it is it sold if it is talked about like because because you're right I, i think they'll largely keep you know talk about contract negotiations um under the hat but being be being that it was such a public story and that the, the starting quarterback came out and publicly said that the organization threatened him, um, you, you would think that that would warrant some kind of response from the organization to say, you know, we're, we're really sorry that it, it, it was felt that way. Um, you know, that that was never the intent, whatever the case might be, you would think that there would be some sort of like addressing of that publicly because people people do want to know they do. They do want to have those answers as to like how the Broncos do generally are doing business. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't see, I really don't see a path, a path forward. I mean, yes, they could, they could keep him under contract and say, we're not cutting you, you know, we'll allow you to compete in this, in this quarterback competition, all those sorts of things. But again, by doing that, you're guaranteeing $37 million for 2025. Um, and you know, if maybe the, <laughs> to use the word that doesn't, uh, it, the threat of that, or the idea of that, of being, you know, just sort of the backup would be enough to bring him to the table and say, listen, I, I don't want any part of being a backup quarterback. I still have starting years ahead of me. Let me go do that somewhere else. Like if you need me to adjust this contract, maybe that happens, but, but, but maybe not. It, it could be, we could have, you know, more, more chicken to be played here potentially. So I don't expect necessarily to get anything that's super illuminating. These, these sort of end of season press conferences rarely are, um, but perhaps there will be some sort of breadcrumbs that we can follow into the off season to try to try to make sense of how it will all unfold. Um, we will obviously come back at, at that point and, and break that all down, whatever, whatever we hear and kind of, um, you know, bring some context to that. Um, and, and that'll kind of continue for us throughout this off season. We, we will continue to have episodes, probably a little break will be in store, um, you know, m- momentarily to just sort of catch our breath, but we'll continue to come to you guys and continue to, to populate um, the not another bucking feed with, with new episodes. We, we are right on the doorstep of, of 50. We, we started this, this season, not really knowing, um, you know, what the heck we were doing or how we we're going to do it. Uh, but, but it's been awesome to, to see this thing grow mostly just to see people continue to, uh, to, to, to continue to latch on. So we appreciate, um, all of the support. Hope you'll follow us into the off season and make this 
you know, one of the stops that you have to, to get some insight onto what's going on with the Broncos. So until then, thanks for stopping by.